series called Surviving in a Hostile Culture. And I'm just curious, the whole thing is taking place in the book of Daniel. There's this week's message, two more after it, still in the book of Daniel. I should have said this first message, but I hope it's not too late. If you have not already been reading the book of Daniel for yourself to kind of prepare you for this series, um, please do so now. Go back, start, start reading the book of Daniel. It'll make these messages a little more meaningful for you. Now, today we're, we're going a big jump in time. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, but we're, we've jumped forward. When Daniel first came to Babylon in chapter 1, he was probably about 16 years old. When we pick it up today, I'm just a little bit bouncy, a little bit loud, guys. You might want to just pull something down a little bit. Um, he was about 16 years old, but now when you come to Daniel chapter 6, and we have no sense of this unless you, you, know, you know how to study these kinds of things, Daniel is no longer 16. Daniel is likely 84 years old. He's been in Babylon 69 years. He will live, uh, we're still getting a whole lot of echo, still living in this hostile culture. He had lived in it for 70 years in total. So, so this says to us, no matter how much a culture changes, no matter how hostile it gets, it's possible if we're faithful to God, if we stand up, if we speak out, if we stay faithful, that God will preserve us through all the varying circumstances and hostilities we may incur. Now, I'm gonna try something with you today, and I'm still getting an awful lot of echo. It's really hard for me to hear myself because it's bouncing around. I don't know if I need some, something in this uh, wedge here or something to give me a little bit, but we've got a real weird echo thing still going on. Um, how many of you have ever spoken in an echo chamber? Can I see your hands? Or, or, that's what it sounds like up here to me, and it's really hard to get my thoughts. We're still having problems there. Um, I'm going to try something with you, and we're still getting a lot. Um, I, I, <laughs> I'm sure this is going to fail. Okay, so I'm setting you up you know, to start with. This is probably going to fail. I want to try to walk you through the story of Daniel in chapter 6, but have you ever heard those good news, bad, that, that helped immediately. Um, have you ever heard those good news, bad news stories where, you know, that's good, and then the person says, no, that's bad. And then the person says, oh, you know, and then that's good. How many are familiar you heard those before? There was a guy who used to be on Hee Haw that used to do that. Uh, some of you are saying, what is Hee Haw? <laughs> Hee Haw was this prehistoric TV show <laughs> with a lot of hillbillies or hill, hill Williams or whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to try this, and if it fails, so here's, I'm going to clue you in. Your first clue is you're going to say, that's good. But then after that, you reverse to that's bad, and then it goes to that's good. So yours is going to keep switching. Okay, so I'm going to start out. So the kingdom of Babylon fell. Daniel had been through two kings, and now Persia had taken over. Now Darius was the new Persian ruler. He had 120 government officials over his massive empire. He had three managers of those 120 officials, one of which was Daniel. You would now say, since one of those managers of the 120 is Daniel, you would now say, that's good. That, oh, man, you guys are good. No, that's bad. That's bad. Because Daniel so excelled, he was so much better than the other guys, and he caught the king's attention that the rest of the public officials, they started becoming jealous of, of Daniel. They were ambitious, and they started trying to find fault with him every way they could. And you would say, that's, that's bad. No, that's actually good. 
It's good because they couldn't find any fault in him. He was the best worker. He was the sharpest. He was the most responsible. He was the most faithful. So hence, they found a hard time trying to, you know, find any reason to blame him for anything or find fault with him. And you would say that's? No, that's actually bad. It's very bad. <laughs> because they knew that the only way they could trap Daniel was they had to find something pertaining to his relationship with God, his, his walk with God. So they, they set out this decree. They got together and they said, O king, let there be a decree that for 30 days, if anybody prays to anybody other than you, they'd be thrown into the lion's den. And you would say, that, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> Throwing the lion's den is never good, never good. But then I would say to you, no, that's actually good. <laughs> Being thrown into the lion's den can be good because when Daniel was finally thrown into the lion's den, the Lord sent his angel and protected him and he was brought out alive. And so you would all say together, that's good. And so it is. So now you've got the whole story of Daniel chapter 6 in our little, you know, experiment. Well, let me start by reading in the text Daniel chapter 6, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, he's 84 years old, folks, the king made plans to place him where? Over, Over the entire what? Daniel has lived through two Babylonian kings. The Persians have taken over. Now Darius is king of the new empire, and Darius is eyeing this 84-year-old guy, and he's saying, there's nobody like this guy. I'm going to put him over all the affairs of the kingdom. It goes on. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Pause here, don't switch the slide for a minute. Folks, if you're a Christ follower and you work for a company, I hope that's the way everybody around you, your fellow workers and particularly your overseers and particularly the owner of the company, I, I hope that's the way they, they see you. A Christian, a Christ follower should be faithful, responsible, completely trustworthy. The way we work, it really, really matters. It mattered then, it matters now, it always will. It goes on. So they concluded, this is these, these plotting, scheming, uh, other governmental rules. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and the high officers went to the king and they said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. It goes on. But when Daniel learned, now notice, he knows what the law is, this new 30-day law. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. Now that's defiance, folks. He, he knows the decree has been made. He, he is saying, you've drawn a line in the sand that 
myself as a follower of God, I will not comply with. I will stand up. I will speak out. I will not go along to get along. If I'm thrown into the lion's den, so be it. He just kept his pattern. He just kept doing what he had done for all of his 69 years. He had been in Babylon now about 69 years. That's, that's Iraq. And um, the Persians, that'd be modern-day Iran, so we get a kind of a geographical, geographical fix. What he'd been doing for 69 years, he was just going to keep on doing. It didn't matter what changes. You've got to hear some of this. It didn't matter what changes occurred in his culture. There were crystal clear lines. When God had spoken, when a pattern had been laid out by God, he was going to stand on it. He was not going to go along to get along. He didn't care how odious it made him. He didn't care what consequences came. He was going to be faithful to God. That speaks a great deal to each and every one of us now as our as our culture is going through a transition period, I've said that in each message, and the transition is not a good one. It is one in which it's becoming increasingly hostile. It's going to be harder and harder to be faithful to Christ. It's going to be more and more difficult to be those that are looked upon as Christians. That's just the time that we happen to be living in. It goes on. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Notice they knew just where to go to find Daniel praying. He was open about his faith. He, he was very open. He was an open book. They knew how to spot him. They knew, they knew where his weakness would be. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was what? Deeply troubled. Deeply troubled. Now, this is an interesting thing. And he tried to think of a way to do what? Save Daniel. The king loved Daniel. He was, he was looking at Daniel, this 84-year-old man, as the guy that he was going to put in charge of the entire empire. The king was not dumb. He knew this was uh, a setup based on envy and selfish ambition. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. But he could not. It was a decree his government officials had tricked him into signing this decree. It titillated his ego. Oh, nobody can pray to anybody except you, O king, for 30 days. He signs it, never thinking that it was a setup to just nail Daniel. So we want to start out by looking at this, the horrid power of betrayal. This message is going to be about betrayal. You've you got to kind of let this thing set in into a real setting. We read these things, and we, we kind of read them like they're a little child's story. It's not a child's story. This was a real government. These were real government officials. Daniel was a real person who had been running things, leading things for 69 years in Babylon, now in Persia. These individuals that were setting this man up to be thrown into a lion's den. These were individuals that probably when they saw him, they would be like, hey, what's happening, Daniel? Good to see you, buddy. You still at it, man? Um, you're my man, Daniel. You know, we, we are behind you. We're with you. They probably greeted him friendly. He probably assumed they were friendly, that they had, you know, the same kind of ambitions to see the kingdom further, to see good things happen. These were individuals that to his face would have seemed as though they were with him, but behind the scenes, they were betraying him. And, and they were betraying him in a rather, rather ruthless way. Now, here's the thing about betrayal. Betrayal is absolutely chilling. Betrayal is brutal. Betrayal is one of the most horrible things that we as human beings experience. Now, here's the truth. The likelihood is there's not one of us in this room 
that has not experienced betrayal on some level. And, the, and the, the really painful truth is some of us, likelihood is some of us right now are experiencing betrayal. And here's the thing about betrayal. The closer that the individuals are to us, the more the pain is that we receive when they betray us. And some of us, we're sitting here today, we're not the people that we used to be five years ago, 10 years ago. Some of us, and, and this message I, I think is gonna be a, a source of healing and hope for you, but some of us, we're still limping through life. We're still broken. We're still struggling inwardly and outwardly because of some betrayal that we underwent. So betrayal is a horrific thing. Now, if it helps at all to think about something, think of Jesus. Does Jesus know what it is to be betrayed? Who betrayed Jesus? Who, somebody give me a name. Judas. Judas, yeah, Judas Iscariot. But that wasn't the first time God was betrayed. What I want to set out before you is this. God, the best person in the universe, the kindest person, the most loving person, the person that least deserves to be betrayed. You've got to hear this because some of you, you, you didn't deserve anybody. Daniel didn't deserve to be betrayed. The, the person at least deserves to be betrayed in the universe. It's God himself, and it wasn't just Judas Iscariot. No, this, this betrayal of God, it goes all the way back into eternity past when Lucifer betrays God, even though God had blessed him profusely, set him in a high position, given him lots of trust. He betrays God, and then he sets to take one-third of the angels against God. And it didn't stop there. I wish it did. A Adam and Eve, God built a whole planet for them for me for you he breathed life into them into me into you into us he, he put them in a perfect set of circumstances he wanted their best he knew what was best he loved them with the tenderest most eternal kind of love and the first time a slanderer comes into the garden of Eden and says hey God's holding back from you if you if you want to really experience life in its fullness eat of that tree that he forbids you to eat of because when you eat of that when you do the thing that he said not to do and we're still some of us thinking this way when I do the thing that he tells me not to do ah that's where the zest in life is that's where I really get my pleasure that's where I really get my joy if I stop doing what God tells me to stop doing there won't be any pleasure there won't be any joy at all in my life my life will be boring it'll be dull some of us are still buying into that satanic slander and lie but they bought it they bought it. They, they believed the slander. They believed the stranger in the garden, or perhaps a stranger, and they betray God, and they turn around. And the next time God comes in the garden to see them, they are hiding and they are running, and we as a species have been running and hiding from God ever since. In fact, the only way that God could ever finally get us to stop running and stop hiding, he had to show up on this earth and then go to a cross and say, please, Understand that nobody loves you like me. Nobody knows what's best. Nobody wants what's best. Just trust me and the life that you've always wanted, it will be yours, but you can't have it if you insist on going your own way and doing things the way that you think or the way your culture may think. So let's look at the dark reasoning behind betrayal. James 3.16 puts his finger right on it. It says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and every what evil practice satan in eternity past 
You know, he had envy of God. He had selfish ambition. It says in Isaiah that he wanted to be like God himself. But he hid it. He masked it. And when he went to the other angels, he probably spun a good tale for them, trying to say, you know, guys, God is not all that he says he is. He doesn't really have our highest interest at heart. Selfishness and envy and ambition. When you have selfish ambition and envy, Every kind of evil follows. Every evil that exists today, the presence of evil itself today is because one individual, Lucifer, betrayed his creator. And now we live in a world where every day is dangerous, where every day you or I might be under, or we're the ones that find ourselves betrayed. So Daniel's going along 69 years of faithfulness, and these individuals behind the scenes that are smiling to his face, they're just looking for the opportunity to put the, the knife in his back. The reason that the reasoning behind uh, betrayal is so dark is that it's, it's the reasoning of the end justifies the means. There have been probably 100 million people since the 20th century and now killed by socialist communist regimes. Read history if you can find any accurate history anymore. Read about the Soviet Union. Read about communist China. Read about everywhere the socialism, communism has been. Read about the multiple deaths. Without apology, they killed millions of their own people, but it was always based on the end justifies the means. You see, if we can purge our society of these, these malcontents, we can have a utopia. And those that are selfishly ambitious, they always have reasons. They're, they always have to mask the damage that they're about to do, the betrayal that they're about to undergo. They have to mask it in terms of, well, we, we deserve better, others deserve better. We're, we're doing this for a good reason but it's dark reasoning, it's ruthless reasoning. They were not just bumping Daniel out of a job. They, they were killing Daniel. They, they were setting out to destroy him utterly, physically, mentally, emotionally. They were trying to take his life, but in their minds, I'm sure they thought, you know, he's too old, he, he doesn't know how to lead this kingdom, we're young, we're faster, we're brighter. For the good of the kingdom, we've got to get rid of this guy, and the only way we can get rid of him is to find some fault in him pertaining to his walk with God. So, so let's get rid of him because it's going to be for good, it's going to be for the good of the kingdom that we who are younger and brighter and sharper, that, that we take over. And this is the kind of dark reasoning that goes behind betrayal. Now, with the dark reasoning, you also have this, damaging results. Anybody in this room, anybody that's ever experienced betrayal on any level at all knows that it can be catastrophic to our external lives. It can cost us relationships. Families are shattered. Lives are forever changed. Vocations are hurt. Uh, all kinds of status in the community, all kinds of reputation issues. Outwardly, when you are betrayed, when I am betrayed, it can hurt dramatically. We find ourselves suffocating with slander and all kinds of things just to try to step forward another day. It hurts catastrophically sometimes outside. Again, things that seem to be irreparable occur, but it doesn't stop there. I alluded to this earlier. The truth is, is that some of us right here in this room, there's no doubt in my mind, we are still suffering because of some betrayal we had. Sometimes when we're betrayed, our ability to trust, our ability 
to ever feel secure, our ability to ever honestly offer our, our hearts, our truest selves to anybody again, it's, it's all but shattered. And we go through our life scared. We go through our life feeling, I'm never going to be loved for myself. Nobody's ever going to stick with me. Nobody's ever going to stay with me. Sooner or later, you're going to turn on me. You're going to reject me. You're going to find fault with me. And we go through life with this internal torment because of some betrayer. Now, if there's something worse than the internal damage, and I'm going to talk in the second half of this message about how we can get relief from that internal damage, but if there's something worse than being betrayed and the damage it does outwardly and inwardly, it's being the betrayer. Now, this is where it gets very uncomfortable because just as I said, almost all of us in this room probably have experienced betrayal in some way on some level the other side of the coin is also true the likelihood is many of us perhaps most of us try as we will to forget it try as we will to press it down and get it out of our minds out of our memories truth be told we have also done some betraying more than likely the romans Romans were very creative when it came to ways to punish people and get people to be intimidated and never dare to, you know, confront the Roman rule. One of the things they would do to criminals is they would take a criminal that was condemned and they wanted to creatively put this criminal to death. They would take an already dead criminal perhaps someone they had crucified who had been hanging on a cross for four or five days or more, they would take the dead body and they would tie it to this person that they were also sentencing to death and this person would have to walk around with this rotting dead body connected to them. They would have to drag it around until they breathe their last breath. It was insanely brutal, cruel, but that's a good depiction of what it is to be a betrayer. As much damage as the betrayers do, the damage that they do to themselves, the betrayer is condemned to live with a hideous self, a dead self, a self that is soulless and empty, a self that is full of envy and full of selfish ambition, a self that doesn't dare take an honest look in the light of God at their own soul, their own motives, their own reasons, because they know that if they do, It'll be too hideous for them to bear. And so they walk around with darkened reasoning, still driven by selfish ambition, still lying to themselves, still blocking out the truth of God. Though they may use God's name, you better get that. It could be an emergency. (laughs) (laughs) The betrayer who seeks to steal and kill and destroy, they live to find themselves being the one that's destroyed. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later too. John 10, Jesus is really probably talking about Satan in this passage, but it certainly applies to betrayers in general and sin in general, evil in general. Jesus says, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come in order that you might have life and life in all its fullness. There are those. Betrayal seeks to steal and kill and destroy. You know, I I can't help but to wonder if Daniel didn't have some idea what was going on some of you maybe you can think back some of your lives when you experienced a betrayal and you maybe 
had a sense something's not right. That person is just behaving differently. There's something in their attitude. There's something in their tone of voice. There's something different. And you started feeling suspicious like something was up, that maybe they were betraying you or thinking about betraying you in some way. But then every time the thought would come to you, you'd say, oh, I'm awful to be thinking that. You, you would punish yourself. You'd say, it must be my own insecurities that, that, that I'm just imagining. That, that person's too nice. They're too good. They would never hurt me this way. And we punish ourselves. Maybe some of you can think back and only to find out that your suspicions that you castigated yourself for having, your suspicions turned out to be only all too true. And I can't help but wonder if Daniel wasn't watching these guys. He was wise. He was experienced in life. He was experienced in God. And when you get close enough to God, you get close enough to your own soul. You get close enough to your own soul. You start understanding the souls of others as well. And I suspect Daniel saw the handwriting on the wall. But he just kept treating these individuals as though everything was going to be okay and that they would never do it. And some of us in here, we're sitting in this room and we know it. And I know it, I've experienced it, where you suspect there's a betrayal at hand, but you just keep treating the people the way that you know God would want them treated. You keep hoping for the best, wanting the best, but you find out one day they've set you up for the lion's den, and they don't care. They don't care at all about you. Betrayal is vicious. It's cold. It's chilling. It's the worst because to betray someone, you first must win their trust. You must appear to be for them. You must appear to be safe in order to succeed in your betrayal. They had to look safe to Daniel in order to get away with what they did. But remember what I said, as catastrophic as being betrayed can be externally and internally, being the betrayer is far worse because here's the truth about those that betray. Betrayal, unlike other sins that we sin, is one of the most difficult to ever get free from, to get free from the unresolved guilt, the unresolved shame. Because here's what it requires. To, to get free, if you're a betrayer, you must be willing to welcome the condemnation of God upon your soul. You must welcome the feeling of intense guilt. You must be willing to lay out your motives before God and say, you know, I was selfishly ambitious. I was, I was lying. I was scheming. I was doing this. I didn't care about that person. All I cared about was my own desires. I wanted what I wanted, and I was willing to do whatever I had to do to get it. There was nothing good in me when I did that, God. I didn't treat that person as though they were human at all. I didn't care one iota about them. That's a hard repentance, man, when you've got to get before God and you've got to pour out that stuff and let God sift through our corrupted motives. And I'm telling you, trust me on this, you can't get free from betrayal without going through that kind of deep repentance where you allow God to bring your deepest, darkest, most selfish motives to the surface. And you've got to sit there in the presence of a loving God, a righteous God, a good God, and look at what a loathsome thing you have done with the humanity that he's given you. Now, if a person does that, they'll find they can receive. 
Listen to what I'm telling you. God's forgiveness is there, but we have no ability to receive the forgiveness until we repent deeply. We'll never feel forgiven, in other words, is what I'm trying to say. And that's why some people, once they have betrayed, they live with their betray, betraying soul for the rest of their lives, darkening their reason, tormenting them, never giving them any real rest. They have to lie. They have to legitimize. They have to blame shift. They have to do all kinds of things, but they live trapped in their own unresolved guilt and shame and so they will unless they're willing to go through deep repentance now I, I'm just being honest we're all humans and I might be talking to you this morning you have been locked into this cycle you've tried to repress it you've tried to forget it you've tried to run from it you've tried to busy yourself you've tried to do everything to get it out of, out of your mind but you still have unresolved guilt because you were the betrayer and you think you can dance around it. I'm telling you, God loves you too much for that. He will not allow you to dance around it. You will either be purified of it, which means deep repentance in his presence, or you will live with that dead carcass tied to you for the rest of your days. And that's, that's a worse punishment than those you betrayed. All of us are capable of these things. Let's go back to the text in Daniel, and we'll get to the second side of this message. Daniel 6, once again. So at the last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. Then the king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully. Look at this. Daniel, 69 years in this, this hostile culture, and the king can see you serve your God so faithfully. You stand up. You speak up. You don't shrink back, Daniel. I know you. You're, you're obvious about your love and loyalty of God and righteousness. He says, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. The king wants him rescued. Very early the next morning, the king got up. If you read the text, the king couldn't even sleep that night. He loved Daniel so much. Very early the next morning, the king the king got up and he hurried to the when he got there he called out in anguish I mean the king is just he, he thinks nobody lives through this you know he's hoping but Daniel servant of the living God was your God whom you serve so faithfully here it is again it was obvious they could see his faithfulness folks I'm going to just pause for a minute can those who know us who are around us let me, let me rephrase it is there any circle in any of our lives where those who know us and are around us don't know our faithful devotion to Christ? Or are there circles where we, we don't dare let it be known? We, we put a watch on our mouths. We put a watch on our conduct. We, we try to hide from certain individuals because that, that's not befitting those that are children of God. Daniel's faithfulness to God was open. It was obvious. He didn't care what the culture thought nor should we we're we're called to be the bastion of truth we're called to be light in a dark world we're called to be salt in a world that's corrupting and unless we are willing to stand up speak up we lose those positions that God intended us to have he said he says you serve so faithfully was he able to rescue you from the lions Daniel answered boy can you imagine how good the king felt to hear Daniel's voice he has spent who knows eight ten hours with lions Daniel answered, long live the king. Notice how respectful Daniel is. May God, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Goes on. 
Now the king is speaking again. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues, he rescues and saves his people performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth and he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions now Daniel's betrayers they got what they wanted at the start of the story they got what they wanted they they succeeded with their scheme Daniel was arrested Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. It looked like for sure they had gotten their way. They had gotten what they wanted. Daniel was ruined. Daniel was nullified. Daniel was no more. I'm sure they celebrated profusely when Daniel was in the lion's den that night. And the last thing they ever dreamt is that Daniel would survive. That Daniel would not only survive, he would thrive. That Daniel would not only survive and thrive, but he would live and they would actually die. If you read the rest of the story, the king knew what was going on. And they end up destroyed, the ones that had set Daniel up. So they, they got what they want. You've got to listen to this because some of you, you know, you're, you're still stuck on your betrayer. You're, you're still angry. You're still bitter. You still can't. And, and as long as you or I are angry or bitter at our betrayers, they still control us. They still have possession of our soul. That's a, a very unnecessary, weak position to be in. But they got what they wanted initially, but they did not want what they got. Remember that. It is impossible for a betrayer to ultimately, ultimately get what they want. They might get what they want initially, but they're not going to want what they get ultimately. Tuck that away because God is a God of justice, but also the way that he's wired us as human beings, there are certain kinds of conduct that just don't work. They will give us no rest. They will give us no peace. And there will be a payday, if not in this life, certainly in the time of judgment to come. So Daniel... Daniel ends up with high status. Let's go to the second part now of this talk. The hidden potential of betrayal. Now, that, that sounds crazy. What, what are you talking about, the betray, but potential of betrayal? Very counterintuitive. And, and this is where I said in the first part of the message, for some of us that are still stuck, we're still wounded, we're still broken, our, our hearts are maybe in a, a million shattered pieces, we're scared to death to trust anyone again, we're scared to death to think that we'll ever be safe in a relationship, we're scared to death to ever authentically open our hearts, open our lives to anyone. We, we try to stay guarded, protected, we try to hide away, we, we try multiple personas just to, to keep our true persona from ever being available to anybody because we don't want to be wounded again for some of us that that need that that second relief release I should say not just from the lion's den but from the the damage that betrayal does inside the, the second part of the message and but it starts with this if you're a child of God if you've put your trust in Christ and you are his follower you must I must I must look at betrayal this is going to sound crazy and counterintuitive trust me it's it's the real deal I must, you must, we must look at betrayal as an opportunity, not as the worst thing that ever happened to us. You say, but Randy, you don't understand, man. Do you, do you know how bad I'm hurting still? It's X number of years later, and I'm still not the same man, not the same woman. I, I still can't function the same. Are you, how can you say that there's some kind of an opportunity in betrayal? All I'm feeling is the pain from the betrayal. Let God speak a little bit and and go with me on this journey. Here we go. 
it brings, it can bring, let me rephrase that, it can bring, betrayal can bring expanded confidence in the Lord. Once you and I, and some, some of you, you really need to hear this because you're scared and you're insecure and you've been scared and insecure the majority of your life. And you can't quite live life because you're too scared to ever make your true self available. Once you go through the worst, what, what am I trying to say? I'm, I'm trying to say some of us need to be thrown in the lion's den. Some of us need to really have our lives, our hearts shattered. We need to be thoroughly, thoroughly broken to the point that we're gasping and wondering, I don't know, I don't know if I'll ever be the same again. I don't know if I'll ever know happiness again. I don't know if I'll ever know peace again. Until we go through the worst, the lion's den, you agree it's the worst. When you're in the lion's den, you're facing hungry lions. There's nobody but you and God. But if God shows up sufficiently, that's all that's really necessary. When you and I go through the worst, now I'm not talking to you now about somebody theoretically. I'm talking about myself. I've been through the worst numerous times. And it broke my insecurity. It broke my fear. It liberated me because here's what I learned. And some of you, this is, this, is, this is a gift for you from God today. No matter how bad this world breaks your heart, breaks your confidence, hurts you, cripples you, wounds you, kills you, you might feel like, I promise you, I promise you, you stay faithful to God he will heal you. He will restore you. He will rebuild you. He will take you to a place where you will actually be able to love those that are not worthy of your love. You'll actually be able to even pray for those that have betrayed you and despitefully used you. He'll take you there. And once you know that no matter what wound, what hurt this life dishes out, your God is more than able and always faithful to restore, to rebuild, and to repay ultimately those that have betrayed, then you have confidence, a new confidence when you go through betrayal. Now, that's counterintuitive, and it, and it calls for you and I to say, wait a minute, okay, I, I, my heart is broken, my life is in, ruin, in shattered pieces, but I know, I know God, I know he's with me. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. Some of us know that by experience. God sustained us through some, some betrayals, through some hurts, through some shattering experiences. I have made you, and I will carry you, and I will sustain you, and I will, what's that last one? rescue you story of my life story of a lot of our lives you got to get yourself in sufficient trouble sometimes I'm telling you as a follower of Christ one of the biggest mistakes we make is being too quiet too withdrawn going along to get along never trying anything for the kingdom of God never stepping forward never speaking up never just saying this is what God says and I trust him I love him I'm for him and if you want to dialogue we'll dialogue but never taking a risk we got to get into some trouble for God's sake before we'll learn the lesson that God rescues. He rescues those who are authentically his people and are unwilling to shrink back, to be silent, to, 
to do anything but move forward for the kingdom of God in the lives of others. Once we're in the trouble, once we're in the heat, once we're broken and hopeless and we know that, that we're done, man, our lives are gonna be ruined and wrecked and our souls are just not gonna be able to bear it unless God himself rescues us, then we find out the truth. God always rescues us. Some of you are sitting here saying, Randy, I, I, went, I went through it, man. I went through the betrayal and I'm, I'm still not the same. I'm not the same at all. I, I, I'm still wrecked. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm insecure. I'm, I'm just unsure of what to face in the future. I don't trust people. I'm suspicious of everybody and everything. Well, it's because perhaps you haven't allowed God to do the healing work that's necessary. You say, but Randy, what, what does that involve? You're going to hate this. Some of us are in an in a iron prison cell today because we've simply fused to forgive the people that betrayed us you say well Randy I, I can't forgive them if you knew the damage they did to me did to my family did to my vocation did to my livelihood I, my whole life has been turned upside down I'm not saying that you're saying they're okay I'm saying that you must forgive them because until you forgive them remember that image of the Romans where we are tied to a dead body well you are then tied to a dead body too that person who has betrayed you is still controlling you and the only way you can untie the cords of their rotting carcass from your soul is you've got to be willing to forgive them let God deal with them set yourself free from them though by authentically forgiving them and probably you'll need if you're like me you'll need to pray for them too to, to keep your soul detached and free from the icky feelings that you'll have a hard time getting rid of but here's the thing once you know I don't care what life dishes out I don't care what hurt you become courageous you become bold not because of anything in you or in me but because of God we know what he does we know how he takes those that look dead thrown in lines dens hopeless and he brings us back out once you know that experientially you'll never be the same you'll never be the same again and it doesn't matter how hostile a culture becomes or how much betrayal you or I experience, you will transcend. You will rise above it. It will not destroy you. Second, expanded confidence in the Lord. Philippians, the apostle Paul, who wrote this from a jail cell, who was rescued by God multiple times. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 sometime and look at all the things that Paul went through in the first 22 years of his walk with Christ. He says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me other translations say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me you can read that all you want I can read it all I want I can memorize it even but if I haven't lived it if I haven't experienced his rescues if I haven't internalized it it's just words on a page but it, once you know it you become bold you, you become healthy inside you become so healthy that no matter how much contamination around you even of those that are betrayers and seek harm on your soul they can't penetrate the shield of loving kindness and goodness and righteousness that God has built up inside secondly it offers an opportunity betrayal you say I know it sounds counterintuitive betrayal offers an opportunity for expanded influence for the Lord think of Daniel 
The king himself is happy that Daniel's alive. The king says, you're God, Daniel. He's the everlasting king. His kingdom is forever and ever. This man, Daniel, does what his whole nation had failed to do. The reason that the Israelites were in captivity was because they failed to accurately depict God to the nations. But Daniel, who's immersed in a hostile culture, he stands faithfully, stands strong, and he causes the entire culture to see the truth about God and the truth about life. And who knows, maybe some of those Babylonians and then some of those Persians ended up real followers of God because Daniel's faithfulness brought God up to the surface where he was literally unavoidable by those that were in that culture expanded influence now I'm going to read you a series of scriptures and all these scriptures are pertaining to you and I today because why because all these scriptures that I'm about to read to you they are scriptures where Christ is telling us what the conditions on earth will be for his followers just prior to his return and if you're wondering am I saying are we living at that time yes I am saying that and I've done extensive teaching on it on the Bible institutes and I could spend hours and hours and days and days just showing you the multiple signs that are for the first time in human history fulfilled, the, the Bible predictions that we are living in the midst of today. So it is not fanaticism. It is just being rational and true to Scripture to say we are living right prior to the return of Christ. If there's every generation that should understand that, it should be ours. So these verses all pertain. Here's what Jesus says. When he says before this occurs, he's talking about his second coming. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great what? Persecution, hostile culture. You'll be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my what? Now, if we're not really a follower of Christ, we won't stand before those, and we won't be persecuted because we'll go along to get along. We'll say, you know, I don't want to be disliked and world's changed culture's changed even though God says this is right I, I'm, I'm not sure most people don't think that's right anymore even though God says it's wrong most people today think it's not wrong so I'm, I'm not I'm just going to go along and get along it's only the real followers of Christ those that live and die by the word of God that will experience persecution Daniel could have ex uh, escaped all this all he had to do was go back to his house and stop praying at the appointed times for him all he had to do was hide his faith. Some of us, we're, we hide our faith when we go to work. We hide our faith around some family members. We hide our faith around some friends. We hide our faith around some business associations because we think it's going to negatively affect our businesses. If you start hiding, you won't be in this passage. So good news for you. You won't be persecuted. You are my followers. Goes to 13. But this will be your opportunity when you're persecuted, your opportunity to tell them, what does it say? About me. about me. Daniel, because he went to the lion's den, had an expanded opportunity to make his God known. We will be given endless opportunities. The opportunities are right now as our society plunges into madness, absolute psychosis. Don't you be dragged into it. Don't throw your common sense in the trash can. Don't be silenced. You know what a man is. Speak to it. You know what a woman is. Speak to it. You, yeah. Randy, you don't understand. My kid is confused. My, my kid, you know, they don't know what gender they are. You know, you're, you're putting me on the spot here. I understand that. 
but it's because of the cultural shift that has occurred that these kids are being slaughtered before they have the cognitive development to do anything. That's why I'm so thankful that these ladies that are, that are gonna start this, this co-op here. We're, listen, my goal is that by this fall, we will be able, FCF Church will be able to offer anybody that is a part of FCF Church. If you wanna take your kids and put them into a good academic learning system that'll prepare them for college and anything else they wanna do in life, you can do it right here at FCF. Come, come this fall, that, that's the goal. Yeah. Public schools haven't always been like this. Culture has shifted. We've gone stark, raving mad. We know better. And you can't affirm, no matter how, how much you love somebody, you can't affirm that which is a lie because you make them feel good for a little while only to destroy them forever. I, I know parents have put you in a terrible, terrible bind. And, and it requires some gentleness and some grace and some wisdom and all these things. But we've got to get some clarity. Let me show you a few other passages. Opportunity for expanded influence. Jesus, Matthew 24, again, he's talking about conditions just prior to his return. And many will turn away from me and betray, there's our word, betray. Betrayal will become more and more prominent as we move closer to the return of Christ. They'll betray and hate each other. In other words, those that associated with those that sat in church with us, that, that called us brother, called us sister, called us friend, they will start separating themselves from us. They will start not calling us friend anymore. They will actually hate us, and some will betray us. They'll, they'll put us, like Daniel, in a vulnerable position to be wounded, to be hurt, to be nullified, and, and to lose significantly in their life. It goes on. Luke 21 again, even those closest to you, your who? Parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will do what? Betray you. Betray you. Jesus is saying it's going to get so bad. And it's going to be over these peripheral issues. They're, they're peripheral, but now they're forced down our throats again and again. And they're going to get larger because they're going to take on an economic component to this. I wish I had more time to tell you. Anyway. Your relatives and friends will betray you. They will even kill some of you, and everyone will hate you because you are, what does it say? And all you got to do to get along is don't be a follower of Jesus. Are you still going to be, am I still going to be following Jesus when it gets to this place? And I'm not wishing any of this. I, I hope we have another 50 years that we live, you know, like we're used to living here in this country, but I don't believe that's so. And I think we, we have to at least get a little bit grown up and be realistic with our frame of mind. But Jesus assures his followers, not a hair of your head will perish by standing how? Firm. Daniel stood firm. He went ahead and he worshiped just like he had been. He wouldn't give in. He wouldn't go along to get along. By standing firm, he saved his life. Those that didn't stand firm, those that set him up and betrayed him, they were ultimately destroyed. Not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls. Now, I'm going to close with a set of kind of compilations from this message, some takeaways. Here we go. Betrayal destroys the betrayer, but it need not destroy the betrayed. If you are feeling destroyed from betrayal, a loving God is here. He's ready to heal you, but it probably will require your forgiveness. It'll require your ongoing deepening trust in him and so forth. Betrayal destroys the betrayer. You can, you can count on that. They have tied themselves to a, a dying principle, but need not destroy the betrayed. Secondly, 
Betrayal, betrayal cannot break or take what God cannot repair and restore. They thought they were taking something from Daniel. They thought they were going to ruin him. They thought they were going to kill him. They wanted to. They didn't care about him at all. They wanted to destroy him. He was old. Go out to pasture. You've had your day. Forget it. But God was well able to repair and restore. Some of us feel like we have been mortally wounded by some betrayal. That's not true. That's not true. If you'll look to God, he'll repair and he'll restore. Then this. Now, I want you to follow this train of thought, okay? You've got to follow this train of thought because some of us, we don't see the great deliverances of God. We don't experience his rescues because we just frankly don't get in trouble enough. Think of Daniel's story. No cultural defiance. He defied the culture. They said, don't pray to anyone except for the, the emperor for the next 30 days. He said, you do what you want. I'm praying to God just like I've always done. He defied his culture. He said what shouldn't have been said. He said what was not accepted to be said. He did what was not accepted to be done. No cultural defiance. No lion's den. Now, that's a positive. He could have stayed out of the lion's den. All he had to do was go along to get along, stop praying, okay? But no lion's den, no what? No divine deliverance. Some of us, we so want to see the Lord show up in a powerful way for our lives, but we, we don't get in trouble enough. We don't stand up enough. We don't speak up enough. No lines, then, no divine deliverance. No divine deliverance, no what? Lasting. Lasting influence. Here we are. Here we are. It's 2,600 years removed. And we're talking about this man, a real man, a real man, an 84-year-old man that was thrown into a stinking lion's den that he did not deserve. But God, the real God, the true God, the, the one that breathes life and sustains all of us, he came and he rescued him, and he will always rescue his people. You say, Randy, I know some people die. Those portions of Scripture about persecution, it says someone's going to die. That's right. That's right. Sometimes God rescues us like he did Daniel, and we live on and we serve on, and then sometimes he rescues us by taking us from this life. Last time I checked, everybody dies. You know anybody that doesn't? Other than Enoch and Elijah, everybody else I know dies. You with me? You going to die? We're either going to die or we're going to live to see the second coming of Christ, and then some of us will escape death. My point is this. God rescues his people. He's faithful. He preserves. Remember, remember. If I could get that on the screen, please. Remember, the Lord preserves the betrayed. He's for us. He's with us. He's available to us. And one final thought. 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, writing to followers of Christ, be sober and watchful, because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring, what? Lion, seeking whom he may devour. Who he may devour. Who's vulnerable? Who's selfishly ambitious? Who's envious? Who's jealous? Who's a betrayer? They're vulnerable to be devoured by Satan. Finally, betrayers make scrumptious lion food. The ones that set Daniel up to be eaten by the lions, they themselves were eaten. Now the sad part is so were their families. There's a message in that. Betrayers are such corrupted people that their poison ekes out onto everybody that interacts with them. So betrayers make scrumptious lines for the devil loves to see a betrayer because he knows I, I've got 
this person for time and probably eternity. Don't be that person. If, if you, and, and, and there's no stigma in this, we've all probably done our share of betraying, but if you are still in that state of mind, remember what I said, betray, if you're a betrayer, you've got to be willing to go through some, some real face-to-face with God to get cleansed, to get free from the ick, the guilt, the unresolved guilt, the unresolved shame before you'll ever be able to walk in God's light and experience His love for the rest of your days. Our God preserves you. If you're, if you're here today, you're brokenhearted, you've been wounded, this message is especially for you. I, I plead with you, open yourself to His healing. It starts with forgiving your betrayer. Let's pray. Father, we know your presence has been here in a special way. May your good spirit find opened hearts that your healing truth can go forward. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.